0: Okay, 1 Samuel 16, 1 through 13. Now the Lord said to Samuel, How long will you mourn for Saul, seeing I have rejected him from reigning over Israel? Fill your horn with oil and go. I'm sending you to Jesse the Bethlehemite, for I have provided myself a king among his sons. And Samuel said, How can I go? If Saul hears about it, he will kill me. But the Lord said, Take a heifer with you and say, I've come to sacrifice to the Lord. Then invite Jesse to the sacrifice, and I will show you what you shall do. You shall anoint for me the one I named to you. So Samuel did what the Lord said, went to Bethlehem, and the elders of the town trembled at his coming and said, Do you come peaceably? And he said, Peaceably I've come to sacrifice to the Lord. Sanctify yourselves and come with me to the sacrifice. Then he consecrated Jesse and his sons and invited them to the sacrifice. And so it was when they came that he looked at Eliab and said, Surely the Lord's anointed is before him. But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not look at his appearance or at his physical stature, because I have refused him. For the Lord does not see as man sees. For man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Thus Jesse made seven of his sons pass before Samuel. And Samuel said to Jesse, The Lord has not chosen these. And Samuel said to Jesse, Are all the young men here and he said, There remains yet the youngest, and there he is keeping the sheep. And Samuel said to Jesse, Send and bring him, for we will not sit down till he comes here. And so he sent and brought him in. Now he was ready with bright eyes and good-looking, and the Lord said, Arise, anoint him, for this is the one. Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brothers. And the Spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. And so Samuel arose and went to Ramah. Now, I don't know how he's going to do it, but I feel like the Lord is going to put his hand on some people here today, and uh, I'm not sure how it's going to happen. I wish I could. I am trying to go on. How are you going to do it, Lord? I don't know, but I feel like as I'm preaching, God's going to put his hand on some of you guys. They said, so, well, what happens if he does that? I just got a, an idea that he's putting a call on your life, all right? It's like, Samuel, it's like uh, Elijah coming over and throwing a mantle on you, okay? So, Uh, What do I do if I feel like that's happening in my life? Just raise your hand, and I'll acknowledge you, right? Or come to the altar, find a place with the Lord. Do whatever you want, but just acknowledge what God is. Not Rick doing it. Rick's not going to do it. I feel like it's the Lord that's going to do it, okay? And you will know when God puts his hand on you, put his hand on your head, or you'll feel uh, something just run through your body in a very quick way, uh, like a lightning bolt or something will hit you, uh, but not, not, not electric <laughs> I'm just saying that's what the thought that I had, where you feel the hand on your head, but somehow or another you're going to know that the Lord is putting your hand, his hand on your life, and it's going to be in response to a call to ministry. So anyway, kind of a little background what's happening here. When the Israelites were fed up with the judges that had been set in place, Samuel's sons were the ones that were set in place by Samuel. They were not as faithful. They were not as integritous as Samuel. Reminds me of Eli and his sons who raised up Samuel. And so they came and they said, we don't want this. We, this is not what we want. So um, now sometimes when something's not right, it's good to pray. But you know when we get in trouble is when we tell God how he needs to answer and what he needs to do. That's usually when we get in trouble because we don't know how to fix things. We think we know how to fix things, but most of the time when I try to fix something, it ends up worse than what it should be because I really don't know how to fix things. And that's what we do. When we, when we begin to feel like something's wrong, we pray about it, but we don't just pray the problem. We pray the solution that God needs to do in order to answer the problem the way we want it. And so that's what they did. They said, we don't want this anymore. What we want is a king. So God gave them what they wanted, and he set Saul as their first king. Saul was the picture of what a person in the natural would pick. I was doing a little bit of background uh, work here, and Saul said, I'm the least of the smallest uh, clans in my tribe. But he was just being uh, self-deprecating because the reality was he was from a noble, wealthy family. And Saul was also uh, uh, looked like what you would pick if you were to pick a king. He was a, taller than everybody else. He was of great physical prowess. Unfortunately, what we're going to find is that the person on the inside was not the same as the person on the outside. He uh, was a man who was not completely faithful to the Lord. He violated God's word several times. That's not the, the, the topic for this message today, but he did. And as a result, was subject to replacement. Samuel 15, through 23. So Samuel said, Has the Lord his great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices? He's talking through Samuel to King Saul, as in obeying the voice of the Lord. Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice and to heed than the fat of rams. Yeah, and just kind of let you know, coming to church and putting money in the offering does not excuse what you do during the week. Right? You can't, you can't buy. A uh, 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 faithfulness, you can't buy God's uh, heart uh, what God is looking for is a faithful person, not a perfect person but a faithful person, integrity person, right? And uh, for rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft in other words, I know what to do but I'm not doing it and I'll justify why I'm not doing it and stubbornness is as iniquity when David was caught in his sin and the, the, the prophet was sent to him, he said, I'm the man He didn't deny it. He didn't hide it. He said, I am the man and he went to the Lord and he asked God to forgive him. So stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry and he says to to Saul, because you have rejected the word of the Lord, he has also rejected you from being king. So that brings us up to the passage that we'll be looking at today. I'm going to fly through these points really quick because there's seven of them. Uh, We want to find, we're going to look at seven things uh, concerning the calling of David and every one of these begin with the letter. S. Okay. Now, I didn't have to do that. I just did it. Why did you do that? Probably brother Bates's fault. Everything he preached started with the letter C, or the letter S, or the letter D, and so anyway, just it's kind of a homiletics thing. It's just a way of presenting something. So, first point we're going to look at is called the saying of God. First Samuel sixteen and one. Now the Lord said to Samuel, "How long will you mourn for Saul, seeing I've rejected him from reigning over Israel? Fill your horn with oil. Go. I'm sending you to Jesse the Bethlehemite, for I've provided myself a king among his sons." So the key in this section is the Lord said. To Samuel. What I want us to gather from this is that Samuel was, as we shall see in a minute, a prophet of the Lord. However, that did not mean that Samuel could do whatever he wanted in the name of the Lord. It also did not mean he could do whatever the Lord wanted whenever he wanted. What is key is that Samuel was moved by the word of the Lord. Before Samuel was born, the the, the scripture says that the word of the Lord was rare. And the word of the Lord was rare is because there was not a faithful person to hear what God was saying and deliver faithfully what God was saying to the people. Because as much as we would like it to happen, God doesn't always speak to everyone at the same time. God honors, um, what's the right word for this, um, rank, position, call, and so oftentimes God will speak to the person in charge, and then the person in charge speaks to the people down below them. And when I say below them, I don't mean inferior in any way. I'm just talking about as far as rank, right? In the military, everyone's valuable, but you have different ranks. In the kingdom of God, everyone's just as valuable. Everyone is just as important, but everyone is not in the same class or the same ranking class is the wrong word not in the same ranking for instance uh, uh, you have people that are leaders and then you have leaders of thousands leaders of hundreds leaders of fifties leaders of tens God doesn't speak to everyone he speaks in progression according to the system that he sets up and you might say well I don't like that Well, it has nothing to do with whether you like or not it has to do with how God works Right? I'm not teaching you something so you can change it. I'm teaching you something so you can position yourself in a way so that you can get under the way God does things. And when you learn how God does things, then you can receive yourself what God wants. Right? Well, I'm not, I'm not going to put myself under anybody. God can do it in my life. He can, but he doesn't always do that. Oftentimes what i do is he speak to the person in charge, and that person in charge will speak to the next person, and that way, uh, when I was on staff, uh, I've told, some of y'all are new, but when I was on staff with my pastor, my pastor uh, uh, this is a church up in Fort Worth, he would always say, the Lord shared this with me, the Lord spoke this to me, you know, all these kind of things, and I would go home and I'd say, God, how come you don't tell me these things, and he basically would say, I am, but I'm telling you through your pastor. Okay. <laughs> so, What I want us to gather anyway from this is that Samuel was a prophet of the Lord. And um, but what is key about Samuel is he was moved by the word of the Lord so anyway as I was saying before the, the the key for this thing is the word of the Lord was rare and God raised up Samuel First Samuel 3 1 through 7 and then we'll jump down to verse 21 the boy Samuel ministered to the Lord before Eli the word of the Lord was rare in those days there was no widespread revelation and it came to pass at that time while Eli was lying down in his place and when his eyes had begun to grow so dim that he could not see and before the lamp of God went out in the tabernacle of Lord, where the ark of the Lord was, and Samuel was lying down, that the Lord called Samuel, and he answered and said, Here I am. Now, I want you to know that that passage, if you will go and study, it is so rich. It is so rich, but I can't stop. I got to keep going, otherwise, we'll never get out of here. So he ran to Eli, uh, Samuel, and he said, Here I am, for you called me. And Eli said, I didn't call. Go, go, go back and lie down. And he went and lay down. And the Lord called yet again said, Samuel. And Samuel arose and went to Eli and said, Here I am, for you call me. And he answered and said, I didn't call my son. Lie down again. Some of you think that it's man that's calling you, but it's the Lord that's calling you. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord, nor was the word of the Lord yet revealed to him. And the Lord appeared again in Shiloh. We'll jump down to verse 21. Uh, uh, bottom line is Eli taught Samuel how to hear from the Lord. And then the Bible says, the Lord appeared again in Shiloh, for the Lord revealed himself to Samuel in Shiloh by the word of the Lord. So uh, first point we had was the saying of God. second point we're going to look at is the sequence of God. 1 Samuel 16 2-3 Samuel said how can I go if Saul hears he will kill me but the Lord said take your heifer with you and say I've come to sacrifice to the Lord invite Jesse to the sacrifice and I will show you what to do you shall anoint for me the one I named to you now what I want you to see in this picture really quickly in this point is that God could have avoided all the ensuing process by telling Samuel who the next king was he's talking to me just tell me who he is And I'll go down there and I don't have to do all this. Just tell me who he is. I'll make sure I get to the right place. I take care of everything. But what we find is that that's not how God worked in Samuel's life. And what I want to share with you this morning, as much as it might irk you or irritate you, it's not the way that God's going to work in your life. He's not going to give you the whole picture. Oftentimes, he'll give you the first step. And when you take the first step, he'll give you the next step. And when you take the next step, he'll give you the next step. Well, I don't like that. Well, it seems to be a common thing. A lot of people don't like these things, but the reality is it's not about whether you like it or not. It's the way God works. He said, do this, and I'll tell you the rest later. And Samuel, who is a seasoned prophet of the Lord and is in the office of a prophet, he is uh, as high in the nation as you can get, is still being led by God that way. And if God leads him that way, what makes us think he won't lead us that way? It's not about, learn. It's not about again, trying to get God to do things our way. It's about learning the ways of God and positioning yourselves in such a way that we can experience God in a greater way as we learn his ways. And one of the things that we learn here is that God works sequentially. He'll give you something. If you'll do that, he'll give you the next thing. If you'll do that, he'll give you the next thing. If you'll do that, he'll give you the next thing. You know, so we've got to learn how to be obedient to what he shows us, and as we're beating to what he shows us, it's almost like, it. Uh, it's kind of like, have any of y'all ever play a video game? Right? Anybody ever here play a video game? Only one person in this thing is playing honest. Yeah, okay. So when you play a video game, they have these things called levels, right? You've got to complete the first level before you get to the second level. Now, what some of y'all want to do on your video games, because you can do it, is you go get the cheat code. So you don't have to do the first level, and the second level, and the third level. You can go straight to the fourth level, but the reality is in the kingdom of God, there are no cheat codes. You've got to complete the first level before you can go to the second level. Now, the enemy will tell you, you don't have to do that. That's what he did with Eve. You don't have to do it God's way. You can eat from this apple right now because God knows that the minute you eat of it and the enemy will come and tell you, you can get a cheat code and you can go to level two, level three. You don't have to do that. But I want to tell you something. If you do that, you're positioning yourself for a, uh, 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 for, for not to be under the blessings of God but to be under the, uh, uh, the auspices and under the attack of the enemy. We've got to learn how to follow God. We've got to learn how to trust God. We've got to learn how to do things his way. Abraham, who we regard as the father of faith, also had to do things that way. In Genesis 12, 1 through 4, the Lord had said to Abraham, Get out of your country, from your family, and from your father's house to a land that I will show you. Huh? In other words, get your passport ready, sell your house, get packed, Start traveling. Get in the car and start driving. And as you start driving, I'll show you where to go. Well, uh, that doesn't make sense to me. Again, it's not about what makes sense to you. Maybe that's what God's trying to to change in your life is not to trust in what you can imagine, but to trust in what he can imagine. Not to trust in what you think is rational, but to trust in what he uh, knows is the right thing to do. So get out of your country and I will and go to a land that I will show you. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great. You shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. I will curse him who curses you. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So God showed him the end, but he didn't show him the journey. Sometimes God will show you the end, but he won't show you the journey that it takes to get there. I think if he did for many of us, we wouldn't go. Because the journey is not always the way we want. We want to go first class. And we want to go, when, I, when we're booking a flight, whenever I book a flight, I'm looking for the fastest way, the cheapest way, and the most comfortable way. But oftentimes, i found that the cheapest way is not always the most comfortable way. And the cheapest way is not always the fastest way. And the fastest way is not always the cheapest way. And the most comfortable way is oftentimes the most expensive way right? And so w- when we're in charge, we've got different priorities. God's priority is not to get you there the fastest, the quickest. God's priority is to get you there the best way, all right? So anyway, Abraham was susceptible to that. Abraham departed as the Lord spoke to him, and Lot went with him, and Abraham was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. And by the way, he didn't begin to see the, the blessings of God manifest in a child until he was 100 years old, okay? So the next thing we want to look at is the servant of God. We've looked at the saying of God. We've looked at the sequence of God. Now we're going to look at the servant of God, and this is where we're going to talk about Samuel. So Samuel did, First Samuel 16, through 7, what the Lord said, and went to Bethlehem, and the elders of the town trembled at his coming and said, do you come peaceably? And he said, peaceably, I've come to sacrifice to the Lord. Sanctify yourselves. I mean, you set yourself apart and come with me to the sacrifice. So he consecrated Jesse and his sons and invited them to the sacrifice. And so it was when they came that he looked at Eliab and said, Surely the Lord's anointed is before him. But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not look at his appearance or at his physical stature, because I have refused him, for the Lord does not see as man sees. For man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Now, I read that more of a portion of that scripture because I wanted you to see something. So Samuel is the prophet of the Lord. He is, the, he is in the office of the prophet over the nation of Israel. But I, and what they called a prophet back then is a seer, right? Um, Elijah, was it Elijah? Elisha was a seer as well. And Elisha was with his servant in a city. And I'm just going to give you a little context of where I'm going. I'll get back to here. And when he was his servant in the city, one of the things that Elisha would do is he would warn the king of the country whenever the enemy was making plans and plots. And he would send to the king and he would say, don't do this. Don't go here because there's an ambush here. And so the enemy king was wondering who was feeding intel to Elisha. And so uh, someone said, well, you know, it, it, I mean, to, to the king. And, and somebody said, nobody's feeding intel. It's Elisha. He's, he's hearing the word of the Lord. And so the king said, I've got to go get this guy. He's interfering with my plans, and so he sent an army. I don't know how big it was, but he sent an army, a contingent of soldiers, down to surround the city and to capture Elisha. And when his servant came out, he looked out. He sees all this company of soldiers, and he said, "Oh, Elisha, we're in trouble." And Elisha said, "Don't worry about it. There's more with us than there are with them." And he said, he looked out, and he said. I think uh, you've been eating those berries again because uh, there ain't nobody else out here but these enemy army, and, and Elisha prays, and it said, God, open his eyes. And when he opened his eyes, he saw that the hills were covered with the chariots and the, and the, and the angelic hosts of the Lord. Now, Elisha could see that, right? In the natural, it couldn't be seen. But Elisha could see it. Samuel was a seer. He could see spiritual things. He could uh, a seer was somebody who could perceive, know the word of the Lord, could hear God, could see God. You know. So Samuel was in first and foremost. Even though he was a seer, he was a prophet. He was God's servant, whom God was committed to continue to teach how to see. Just because you are. Growing in your gifting, you are being used by God, you are growing in the things of God, does not mean that you know it all. Samuel was being taught by God how to see still how God sees. Samuel's previous history with God taught him what he supposed kings were to look like. Because remember, God said, I want you to go and I want you to find this man. And he's taller than everybody else. And he's more noble. He's from a noble family. He's richer than everybody else. And so that's who Samuel understood was going to be a type of a king. And if we're not careful, like Samuel, we will allow what God has shown us in the past to become the model for what God will do in the future. But God doesn't always work that way. God doesn't always do things today like he did yesterday. And a lot of people miss the move of God that's coming because it doesn't look like the previous move of God. It doesn't look like the move of God that I came out of. And so the new thing that God is doing, I immediately want to reject it because in my mind, this is how a king looks like. This is how a move of God looks like. This is what has to happen when there's a move of God. This is, doesn't happen when there's a move of God. This does happen when there's a move of God. And what we're doing is we're often projecting from the previous word or the previous move that God had onto the new one. And if we're not careful like Samuel, we'll reject the new in favor of what the old look like. you hearing what I'm saying? so it's not who god chose Well, let me say this first what's important is not the what but the who it's not who god chose but the god who chose right samuel was being taught to follow god and being molded to refine his gifting to see as God sees and to choose whom God is choosing even if it looked different than what God did previously it's a verse six so it was when they came he looked at Eliab and Eliab looked a lot like Saul and he said surely the Lord's anointed is before him but the Lord said to Samuel don't look at his appearance or at his physical stature because I have refused him for the Lord does not I'm so grateful the Lord does not see as man sees for a man looks at the outward appearance but the Lord looks at the heart you know I can't prove this to you, but in Jewish history, there was a Psalms 151. It's not included in in our Bible, but in Psalms 151, it says that David's hands were small. And Jewish history says he was about five foot tall. And so here you had Saul, who was probably a head taller than everybody else. So he was above six foot, six, you know, six two, six three, maybe six five. And he was from a noble family, and he was from a wealthy family. And I don't know how, whether David's family was wealthy or not, but I know that he was an illegitimate child. And I know that he wasn't uh, precious in the eyes of his father because whenever they called for all the sons to be there, he wasn't there. Right? And it's like God said, this is what you're looking for, but what I'm looking for is oftentimes found in what everybody else rejects. God didn't choose the best things. God chose the foolish things. Some of you may be thinking to yourself, I could never do what God, I'm not the best, I'm not the best speaker, I can't speak, I can't talk, it ain't about that. You see, David was smaller than everybody else, couldn't do anything like everybody else. But yet, when the Spirit of God came upon him, the Bible says that he said, I can run through a troop and leap over a wall. Now, we often look at that metaphorically. But I'm going to suggest to you that it wasn't metaphorical. That when the presence of God came on his life, like Samuel, like Samson, And see here's the other thing we think about Samson. Whenever we do a movie about Samson, we always pick the Arnold Schwarzeneggers and we pick the Lou Ferrignos because this is what we think Samson looked like. I don't think Samson looked like that at all. I think Samson may have looked like Jerry back there or Curtis or or, uh, uh, maybe even TR. And, and these, are, these are great people, lovely people, but they're not known for their strength and their physical prowess or whatever the case may be. But that doesn't mean that God can't use them. So what made Samson so strong was the Spirit of God came on his life. And what enabled David to do what David could do, run through a troop. And I believe when the Spirit of God came upon him, he could run faster than anybody else. He could move faster than anybody else. Or leap over a wall. He couldn't do that in the natural. But when the Spirit of God came upon him, he could leap over a wall. I'm going to suggest to you it wasn't metaphorical, but it was real. It was a supernatural enablement of God to do what God had called him to do. Why did that happen? Because it wasn't about who he was. It was about who was on him. Right? It was about the God that anointed him. So what I guess what I'm trying to get you to realize is that it, no matter what you think about yourself, no matter where, where you are in life, it, it's not about you. It's about the God who equips you and empowers you. So don't look at yourself to think whether or not I can. Because more than likely you can't. It's probably why God chooses you. Because when you do, it won't be you that gets the glory. It'll be God. So the fourth thing we want to look at is the season of God. 1 Samuel 16:10 through th- th- uh, 13. Jesse made seven of his sons pass before Samuel, and Samuel said to Jesse, the Lord has not chosen these. And Samuel said to Jesse, Are all the young men here? And he said, There remains yet the youngest, and there he is, keeping the sheep. And Samuel said to Jesse, Send and bring him, for we will not sit down till he comes. And so he sent and brought him in, and he was ready with bright eyes and good-looking. And the Lord said, Arise and anoint him, for this is the one. Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brothers, and the Spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. And so Samuel arose and went to Ramah. Or Ramah. Now, what we want to look at in this section is that even though Samuel knew that God was going to replace Saul with a new king, he didn't just go about doing it. He was dependent on God to reveal to him the right time for, what, for the word that God had already deposited in his heart. This is where we miss it a lot as the people of God. We miss it with prophetic words. We miss it with uh, the, the things that God shares with us is that we often think that when God shares it with us, then that's the timing of God. But God's timing is not like our timing oftentimes God shares something with you that won't happen until later down in the road. And we have to have the grace and the fortitude uh, and the strength of character to resist making something happen because what we'll find is that we'll get out of the timing of God and we need to, in order to experience all that God wants with us, we need to follow Him in His timing, not just fulfilling the Word. There is a timing to the things of God. What God may speak to you as a prophetic word is oftentimes the end of a journey that God will begin in your life and will lead you on. How you get to that destination is dependent on the Lord and God's timing in your life. How often do we get in trouble because we hear from God, but we don't wait for God's timing? Samuel was told when to go to Jesse's house, and he did not go until God told him. And then he was told when to anoint the king. When David came in, God had told him when he's in the midst of his brothers, that's when you anoint him. When when David came in, he didn't pull David off the side like he did with Saul and say, come with me tomorrow. No, he said, God said, arise and anoint him. And what we're going to find is that when God told Samuel that, Samuel did it when God said to do it. And he arose and he anointed him. I've been reading uh, some stories of uh, examples that took place with uh, Kenneth Hagen and and William Brannan and and people through whom God would reveal things prophetically. And uh, I'll just go with one with Kenneth Hagen. The Lord would show him a vision, and oftentimes it was a vision of something that might happen. Uh, he got it on Thursday. Just an example. I don't know if this is the way it went, but let's just say he got it on Thursday, and then it might not happen until Sunday. Uh, but he saw the way things were going to play out. He would see somebody come in. He would see a certain situation happen in this thing. And then when everything was right according to the vision he had, then he would do what, what he saw himself do in the vision. And so he would wait until everything was in place, and then he would do it and when when he followed the Lord's timing, that's when the Lord would move. William Branham tells a story, he said, uh, same things got a vision, saw everything happen almost everything was in place he did it, and when he did it, nothing happened he said, why didn't anything happen? Oh, wait a minute, I forgot, this hadn't taken place yet, and so he said, "I I got out of the Lord's will, let's just wait a little bit longer, and when that thing happened according to the vision that he had then he acted, when he acted in the timing of God, that's when the the, the, the presence of God and the power of God was released, right? So we've got to learn how to follow the timing of God in our life. We've got to follow the leadership of God in our life. Psalms 1 and 3, most of us know, blessed is the man that walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law does he meditate day and night. But here's the part I want. He shall, treat, he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth fruit. When? And it's season at the right time, whose leaf also shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. Fifth thing I want to look at is the system of God. You see how everything's starting with an S? system of God. First Samuel 16, 10 through 13, Jesse made seven of his sons pass before Samuel. Samuel said to Jesse, the Lord has not chosen these. Are all the young men here? He said, no, there's still the little brat. I keep him. I mean, the youngest, there he is keeping the sheep. And Samuel said, go and bring him in for we're not going to sit down till he comes. And so he sent him in. He was ready with bright eyes, good looking. The Lord said, arise, anoint him for this is the one. Samuel took the horn of oil, anointed him in the midst of his brothers. And the spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. So Samuel arose and went to Ramah. So, So in this section, what we see is Samuel is being told by God to anoint David in the midst of his brothers as a sign that he was selected of God to be the next king. While we won't camp here long, there is a way that God wants us to do things in life. It's extremely important that we don't just do the things of God our own way, but we follow God in the process that he has set forth for us to do. How many people today says, I can be a Christian and not go to church? Is that God's desire? Is that God's plan? Is that what the scripture says? We don't want to follow the process. We want to do things our way. We don't want to do things God's way. God told Samuel, when you get there, call him in the midst of his brothers, anoint him. And when you do that, then that's when my spirit will come on him. So a lot of times we say, well, I'll just call him on the phone. They didn't have a phone back then. They didn't have a phone back then, but we do. I'll call him on the phone. You know I'll send somebody else to do it, you know, or i'll I'll write him a letter. No, God has a certain way, or if God says, I want you to call somebody front, I want you to lay hands on them, and I want you to do this. The other day, I think it was on a Wednesday night, two Wednesday nights ago, I was praying for people here on a Wednesday night, and I was uncomfortable with it, but I felt like the Lord said, "I want you to embrace uh, uh, um, it was actually uh, Noah back there, and I want you to say what I carry I want you to, I want him to carry and so I just <laughs> I say, okay, I'm going to do this. Uh, you know, so I just embrace him and said, may what the rest's on me rest on you. I mean, the Lord just absolutely floored him. Just absolutely, he was wrecked. I wasn't expecting that. I, don't, I know he wasn't expecting that, right? But what happened, I just did what the Lord told me to do, and I did it the way he told me to do it, right? Now, God's not always that clear, but when he is, we need to do things his way. Right. It's extremely important that we don't just do the things of God our own way, but that we follow God in the process that He set forth for us to do. God's way is not always the easy way. And God's way is not always the way that's going to cause you to be the least used or the least prominent or the least embarrassed. Well, if it doesn't embarrass me, then I'll do it. If I don't have to talk to anybody, I'll do it. If nobody can see me, I'll do it, right? That's oftentimes what we want to do, and that's not the way to do. You've got to do things God's way. Then the Bible talks about the testimony of the Lord as the Spirit of the Remember when God said, go testify to people, did God tell us to testify to everybody? Yes. As a people today, we're called to testify. And what do we often say? Well, as long as I don't have to talk to anybody. As long as it's not hard. As long as I don't get any uh, people unfollowing me on Facebook. No, that's not how it works. You do things His way. This is what I want you to do. Exodus 13, 7 through 18, 17 through 18. It came to pass when Pharaoh had let the people go, God did not lead them by the way of the land of the Philistines, although that was near. For God said, lest perhaps the people change their minds when they see war and return to Egypt. So God led the people by way of the wilderness of the Red Sea, and the children of Israel went up in orderly ranks out of the land of Egypt. Not the way we would have chosen. The fastest way. The easiest way. God said, no, that's not the right way. The right way is to go through the wilderness, and we've got to learn how to do things his way. Number six, the selection of God. First Samuel sixteen ten through 13. Thus Jesse made seven of his sons pass before Samuel. Samuel said to Jesse, the Lord has not chosen these. And we can just go ahead and jump down to verse 12. So he sent and brought David in. Um, let's see, lost my place. He said he brought David in. He was ready. And the Lord said, arise and anoint him for this is the one. And Samuel took the horn of oil, anointed him in the midst of his brothers. And the spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. So here we must recognize that it's not, again, the one who is most qualified or readily available that is the one whom God chooses. We often think it doesn't matter who it is as long as it meets our qualifications. I get irked sometimes by the way uh, churches choose pastors today. They look for the one that can speak the best. They look for the one that that has the best giftings. And I'm not saying that it's not wrong to do that, but what is most important is who did God choose for this place? Who has the hand of God on their life? And the person that God chose may not match your qualifications. Are you hearing what I'm saying? We're not supposed to be sensitive to the ways of the world. We're supposed to be sensitive to the Spirit of God. And it's amazing. We might have one person that has God's hand on their life and put them before the people, and all the people can talk about whether or not it's God or not, and you might have 30 people out of 100 say, yeah, that's God, and 60 people out of 100, 65 or 70 out of 100 say, no, it's not. What does that tell you? We're not all in tune with the Spirit of God. We need to learn to be in tune with the Spirit of God. And it's not just whoever can move in the Spirit of God. It's whose hand is God on for what needs to be done. Did I tell you what this uh, is? The selection of God. Yeah. So the Bible says, um, you know, the Bible doesn't say it's the one that meets our qualifications. It's the one that we choose. It's the one that he has his hand on. The King Saul and his disastrous reign came about because he met the people's qualifications. And in my opinion, God's plan, the people were actually sensing prophetically it was time for a shift in the seasons. They were actually sensing that it's time for a king, but they got out ahead of God. And because they got out ahead of God, they chose someone that they wanted. But in my opinion, God was always raising up David. It was always going to be David. Just the people got too far ahead of the Lord, and they wanted what they wanted, and so God gave them what they wanted, and finally, you know, it's like, we don't want this. David, in my opinion, was always the person that God had in mind to be a king, and it's the person that God has his hand on that we must learn to identify and set them in their proper place. Acts 13, when God had removed him, Saul, he raised up for them David as king, to whom also he gave testimony and said, I found David, the son of Jesse, a man after my own heart, who will do all my will. And finally, the last point we're going to look at is the Spirit of God. First Samuel 16 and 13. Samuel took the horn of oil, anointed David in the midst of his brothers. The Spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward, and Samuel arose and went to Ramah. Lastly, what we see here is that when Samuel obeyed the Lord, he followed the leading of God, he followed the timing of God, He followed the selection of God. He did it the way God chose him to do it. He anointed him in the midst of his brothers. When he did things according to God's plan, the Spirit of God fell on David. In the same way, it's my belief and my expectation that when we submit our wills to God, when we let God lead, and as we follow and are faithful to obey His leading, doing what He says to do, that's when we too can expect to see the moving of the Spirit in our lives and in our churches. He said, "Well, I have the Spirit of God. Yes, you have the Spirit of God. But it's not whether the Spirit of you have the Spirit of God; it's whether the Spirit of God has you." You hear what I'm saying? God is not a genie at our beck and call. God is king of kings and lord of lords looking for a people that will respond to his call. Right. Romans 8 and 14 says, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God. And by the way, this doesn't mean that you're saved if you're led by the God. That word sons there means a mature son. As many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the mature sons of God. So in other words, and we know this in the natural, right? Uh, Little babies, little kids, they put up a fight. Go clean your room. (laughs) Yeah, I don't want to. Do whatever the case may be. But you hope that as you train them up, that at some point you're not going to have to fight with them to do what's right. Because that's what it means to, to become mature. Right? You do what needs to be done without putting up a fight. But how many Christians... Well, do I want to go here? How many Christians have been serving God for 10, 15, 20, 25, 30 years, and they still won't submit to the Lord? They're still putting up a fight. And you want to know why we don't see the Spirit of God move the way we want them to move is because we've got to learn how to follow God submit to the Lord deny ourselves uh, uh, crucify our flesh uh, follow the spirit of God in our life and if we can learn how to do that and let God lead real simple God leads we follow God speaks we obey Jesus said it this way I do what I see my father doing I say what I hear my father saying That's simple We can learn how to do that and watch what God will do in our midst. Amen?